This morning, we are getting into uh, part four of our series that we've been in called Stand, Say Stand. And we've been asking the question, uh, how will we stand uh, in the middle of a culture and society that is forever changing? Um, You and I can both agree that obviously things have been changing over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years and Societal norms are changing, kind of standards are changing, morals are changing. We see a lot of things are shifting all around us. And uh, we've been going through the book of Daniel to answer that question, how will we stand uh, in the middle uh, of this culture? Uh, and we see the example uh, that is set before us in the book of Daniel with Daniel and Uh, His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we've been talking uh, about that and going through and looking at snapshots in the book of Daniel of of what they've had to endure, what they've gone through uh, in a shifting environment and a shifting culture. And so we've been asking the question, week one, we asked the question, you know, will we stand up? Will we stand up? How Will we be ones that change the world or will we allow the world to change us? And then in week two, we ask the question, will we stand in faith? Will we stand in faith when situations get harder and the, and, and, and the furnace is turned up? Will we stand in faith? Because you remember a, 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 a tested faith is a trusted faith, right? And so when our faith is tested, Uh, That's a faith that can be trusted. And so, will we stand in faith? And then last week, we asked the question, will we stand for truth? Will we stand for truth? Because if you recall, anytime you stand for truth, there's always going to be some form of confrontation. And how will we stand in confrontation? And how will we confront when given the opportunity? And so we've been going through that, through the book of Daniel, looking at these snapshots, just learning about how we will stand. And today we'll be in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, where we'll be talking about another famous passage of Scripture that that many people may know about. If you don't know about it, uh, you will today. The story of Daniel in the lion's den. And there's so much to unpack with this particular text and this story that I I know will bless and encourage you uh, this morning. So uh, if you kind of, if you haven't been with us on the previous weeks, I encourage you, uh, please go to the website, go on the podcast and listen to the previous weeks to kind of get you up to speed. But Daniel at this time, uh, at the writing, at this particular chapter, uh, he's, we believe he's around his, around his 80s. He's around 80-something years old, and, and so he's obviously older now serving in this role. And I would like to say, let that be as an encouragement uh, to all of you out there uh, who are advanced in age. You are never too old for God to use you. You are never too old for God to do something mighty through you. There is no age limit on what God can do with you. Amen. All those who are advanced in age say amen. Some of y'all didn't say amen because you don't think you're that advanced in age. And I get it. That's cool. But he's in his 80s. And so we're going to see this event transpire. And he's he's in his 80s. And so just kind of picture that for a moment that Daniel is in this season of his life. He's 
faithfully served this Babylonian empire for, for many years now. He's uh, served now, what we'll see here, this is the third king that he has served under in the Babylonian empire. The first king we learned about, obviously, was King Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and all that he went through uh, in that season uh, of, his, of his life in serving the king. But this time he's under a, a new king, a king by the name of Darius. And this is where the story picks up in Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, flip there on your phone, or you can follow along on the screen. Daniel chapter 6. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Let's pause right there for a moment. So we see clearly where Daniel... This, this Hebrew boy, this, this, uh, this, uh, as a boy, was taken uh, from uh, his homeland. He was uh, taken and put into an environment and culture that he was not familiar with. And, and we, what we've seen throughout the book of Daniel is that Daniel uh, has remained steadfast and faithful to his God. Even though everything around him has been shifting and changing, uh, he has remained faithful to his God. And so in that, what we see is that because uh, of this, Daniel has received so much favor in the eyes of the king. So much favor. And we read in the text here, we see where he is continuing to advance uh, in his positions in this kingdom. And, and, and please understand this for a moment, that, that Daniel, uh, though he is extremely wise and, and, and probably extremely skillful, he's got tremendous leadership capabilities, but please understand that his ability alone and his leadership capabilities alone was not the reason why he's advanced in the position that he's in. His ability to lead was solely based on his allegiance to his heavenly king. God has remained faithful to God. I mean, Daniel's remained faithful to God, and God has remained faithful to him. And so Daniel is made great before the people because he was great before his God. He stayed faithful to his God. And let me just kind of uh, 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 sidetrack here for a moment and, and just say this, this should serve as a reminder to us as followers of Jesus that we can honor and we can respect our country. We can honor and respect those in leadership and authority over us. We need to do that, and we should do that. But as followers of Jesus, we are to never let our patriotism, our allegiance to your country or party be greater than your allegiance to your heavenly king. It's great to honor. It's great to respect. We need to do those things. But never let those things supersede your allegiance to your king. Because as a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven first. And you are everything else second. And Daniel 
He is serving the king and he is, he is honoring the kingdom that he is serving and, and he's advancing in his position. Even he's getting a, a, a authority even in this kingdom, but he never let his allegiance to this kingdom supersede his allegiance to his God. And because of that, that's how God was advancing him. That's how God's favor was on him. And that's how Daniel was moving up in the ranks as he did. And so we see where Darius is favoring Daniel and, and, and putting him as a, as a governing authority over his kingdom. Now, you would think that's a good thing. You would clearly think that is a good thing, but not everyone agreed. Not everyone thought this was a good thing because, see, Daniel's faithfulness earned him some very powerful enemies. Because remember, Daniel is not native of Babylon. Daniel doesn't have the same blood as the natives do in Babylon. Daniel is a foreigner who was brought in. And this foreigner who was brought in is, is, is elevating in his ranks. So clearly those who are, who are native to Babylon are looking at this man, Daniel, this, this foreigner, Daniel, being elevated and rising in ranks, and they're getting jealous of Daniel. They are envying Daniel. They hate Daniel. Daniel, and they want to do everything they can to destroy and bring down Daniel. And so we continue reading. Verse 4, because of this jealousy, because of this envy, because of this hate towards Daniel and the favor that he's receiving from the king, verse 4, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I love that last portion of scripture right there. Unless it has something to do with the law of of his God. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. When God raises you up, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. So, so what we see here, Daniel is elevating in the ranks. He's got favor from the king. The, these, these native uh, administrators don't like Daniel. They, they, they're hating Daniel. They're jealous of Daniel. And so they, they devise a scheme and a plan. They, they want to find some dirt on Daniel. It's, it's interesting that even in the political season that we're in, like there are people literally on staff of politicians that are, that are running for president, running for different uh, uh, positions and Congress and the city and all these different things, there are people on staff, their main objective and goal is to find dirt on their opposing candidate. Like they spend their full day finding dirt on candidates. 
They want to look for means of corruption. They want to look for means of deceit. They want to look for means that they can, something that they can use against them so they can have the upper hand in winning whatever election they are a part of. And so this is what we see going on with Daniel. They're, they're, they're devising schemes. They're looking for corruption. They're, they're looking for ways to, to pin Daniel down. But they found nothing. They found no corruption in him. In fact, they say there are no charges unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Might I present to you this morning, and prayerfully, this is something that you consider, but my prayer for all of us is that you would consider yourself blessed. If the only thing your enemies can say about you is that you're faithful to God. Consider yourself blessed if the only thing your enemies can say about you is that you are faithful to God. They can search, they can dig, they can try to find things. And and, and just like with Daniel, they found no corruption, they found no deceit. But the only thing they can charge him with has to do with his faithfulness to God. Oh, that we would be men and women who live such lives. But the only thing anybody would have against me is my faithfulness to God. The only dirt that anybody would find on me would have to be my allegiance to my heavenly king. And so clearly we see that God clearly has raised up Daniel. And now we see that now there are people who are putting things in motion, getting ready to tear him down. And let me just say this to you this morning. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then ultimately you're not ready to be used by God. Because I promise you, I promise you, if you step out as a follower of Jesus, if you step out boldly as a follower of Jesus, you will face opposition. You will face people who don't like what you stand for. You will face people who will try to call you out and try to find things against you. You will confront people who do not like the fact that you love Jesus the way that you do. You will be confronted by people who don't like the fact that you choose to live for Jesus the way that you do. People will try to bring you down. People will try to set you up. I've shared this story once before, and numerous times probably here, and I'll share it again just because I think it just, it, this is in my life and something that I experienced at one time. But there was one time where uh, we, were, we were in, uh, I used to be involved with music, right? And so we were recording uh, at this particular uh, studio. Um, and it, was a, it wasn't a Christian studio, it wasn't any of that, but we were heavily involved with it. And so we were recording there, and the people there weren't saved. And, and so myself and so the guys I was with, we, we were going in there as, as believers, as Christians. And, and so we were there, and, and we started to earn a lot of respect with a lot of these guys that were a part of this studio. And uh, <clears throat> at this time, <clears throat> there was this young lady who was working at this studio, and uh, and. I, I was single, y'all. I was single. Let me just preface this by saying this was, this, was, this was BN. This was before Nancy, okay? And so there was this young lady at the studio who we became friends with. <clears throat> and uh, she, uh, we got to talking with her and all that. And uh, just out of nowhere in conversation, I invited her to church. 
I said, hey, you ought to come to church with me. She's like, nobody's ever invited me to church before. And I said, yeah, just come to church with me. So it was a, we had a Friday night service, and I said, yeah, come to church with me. So it was a Friday night, and I, I picked her up, and I took her to service. And then after service, I uh, took her back home. She hung out with us at, at our group, and then I took her back home. And, and so a uh, few weeks passed by. We were back in the studio again, and uh, the guys there were kind of, the guys that worked in the studio were kind of clowning around. They're saying, man, you took so-and-so to church with you. Like, she took, she took, you took her to the church and all that. You took her out on a date. I said, no, it wasn't a date. I just took her to church. And um, they said, oh, okay, okay. And they were kind of, you can tell they were talking amongst themselves. Well, I spoke with this girl later on. And she told me that when they found out that I was taking her to church, the plan that they had schemed up against me was they said, hey, we want you to seduce him. Like, I want you to throw yourself at him. I want to see if this guy is for real and see what he does and be sure to tell us what he does, right? Thank God I passed the test. I took her straight home, straight home. And, 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 and she said, and she apologized. She said, Chris, I'm so sorry. She says, but, but the way you treated me that evening and the way I, I, I was introduced to your friends and the way I, church, like I never experienced anything like that before. And the fact that you were somebody that wasn't going to try to take advantage of me or try anything with me or whatever, she said, that really left an impression on me. Thank you. And I thought, thank God, right? Because here at this moment, I could have put myself in an extremely compromised situation. And it would just be a year later, a few years later, that some of these guys at this studio were going through some very, very hard times. And who did they come to for prayer? Who did they come to for, for, for some hope? Who did they come to for some light? Well, they came to us. And so I share that because there's always going to be opportunities for compromise. There's always going to be opportunities for you to, to succumb to what the world is offering you. But my, my, what I want to put out to you is this, is that there are always people watching. And there's going to be moments where folks are going to try to do everything they can to try to pull you down and to bring you down and to oppose you. And as you see with the case with Daniel, they found no corruption in him. And so what they did was they realized that they couldn't find anything, no dirt on him. So they said, well, anything we do has got to do with his faithfulness to his God. And so they continue to devise a plan. And so what they do is they go to the king behind Daniel's back and they say, look, king, I think you should issue a decree. I think you should put some law in order here. That for 30 days, no one can pray to any other God but to you. And they did this, why? Because they knew Daniel was a man of faith. They knew Daniel was a man of prayer. And so they said, king, for 30 days, issue this decree. That no one can pray to any other God but to you. And if they violate that law, they must be thrown into a lion's den. And so the king 
didn't know they were devising a plan against Daniel. He saw this more as a political move for him. And so he's like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. And so he issues this decree. No one can pray to any other God but to the king for 30 days. In verse 10, let's continue reading. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. See, Daniel had three options he could have chosen in this scenario. Because clearly it wasn't looking good for Daniel. Daniel was a man of faith. Daniel was one who was faithful in prayer. But Daniel had some options here. Daniel could have just easily said, you know what? For 30 days, I'm just going to take it easy. Let me just, let me just, let me just halt my prayers for 30 days, and then after 30 days when this decree is over, I'll jump back in it. But let me just stop this, because this is going to put me in a very, very tough predicament here. Or he could have privately prayed. You know what? I don't want to stir up anything. I don't want to cause any commotion. I don't want to be thrown in a lion's den. So let me just go and pray in private. But the Bible says he doesn't do that. The Bible says he goes to his home, opens the windows up, and begins to pray as he had normally done. Daniel continued in his pursuit of prayer. Why? Because Daniel knew that was the only thing that would give him strength to endure the opposition he was facing. Daniel knew the source of his strength. Daniel knew the source of his favor. So how did Daniel continue to stay strong? Number two, write this down. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. See, prayer should always be the first response in our trials and tribulations, never to panic. And Daniel did not panic. Daniel did not buckle down under the pressure. Instead, Daniel knew knew and did what he was accustomed to and what he did on the regular. He went home to pray. He wasn't going to allow the threat of, of, of death on his life. He wasn't going to allow the threat of opposition to keep him from doing what he's always been faithful in doing, and that is talking to his God. I think it's important to point out this morning as well, too, that, you know, Daniel was a, had a very prominent position in Babylon. He was the governing authority in Babylon, which meaning Daniel was pretty busy. He was a pretty busy man. Yet it's interesting that Daniel still took three times out of the day, not to pray at the office, but to go home to pray. My thought is, If Daniel, this governing authority, who's got some extreme wild responsibilities on his plate, who's probably extremely busy, could still find time to go home to pray three times a day, there's something to that. 
when it's difficult for many of us to find three minutes a day to pray. Please keep that in mind as we we talk about this idea of prayer and this concept of prayer in that Daniel finding the time that he did to pray and carving out the time that he did to pray. Why can't we carve out the time that we need to pray and talk to God? Because I don't know that we truly understand the value of prayer the way Daniel does. See, Daniel knew if I don't pray... I don't have strength. If I don't pray, I won't survive this. If I don't pray, there's no hope for me. Daniel knew where his strength came from. And Daniel knew that it was him kneeling to pray is what was going to give him the strength to stand. Nothing was changing with Daniel. Daniel had already predetermined that he was going to pray. Might I add, too, there's just something unique and different about kneeling to God in prayer. Because, see, when you kneel, there's a posturing that goes on. There's a a humility that happens before God. Kneeling in humility doesn't make you weak, as some might think. But what we see here is that Daniel... Stayed diligent, stayed faithful to his communion with his God. Nothing was going to change the posture of Daniel's heart. And so Daniel prays, and clearly these men were spying on him. Clearly these men knew where he would be and what time he would be praying. And they watched him and they waited for those windows to open. They waited for him to be praying out in the open in his home. They waited for him to do that and they saw him. And what did these men do? Well, they went to Darius. They went and told on him to Darius. Remember that decree you put out, almighty king? Remember that law you put out that anybody that prays to anybody else other than you during this time frame, they would be put to death? Well, your man Daniel, Daniel's disobeying you. Daniel still continues to pray to his God. Daniel continues to remain faithful to his God other than you. Now, remember, Darius, King Darius didn't really know why, why this decree was being made. He didn't know it was a scheme against Daniel. He didn't know it was a plot against Daniel. And so when he heard this news, it troubled him. Because see, Darius really loved Daniel. He really liked Daniel. He favored Daniel. And there was distress clearly on his face. And his, his administrators reminded him, oh, remember, king. Once this decree is out, like, you can't go back on the word. You can't go back on this law. Once it's out, it's out. you got to stick to it. And so Darius had no choice but to call Daniel in and punish Daniel for breaking the law or breaking this decree. And I love Daniel, uh, Darius' response to Daniel in the fact that he says, Man, may your God deliver you. 
There's nothing else that I can do for you, Daniel. You broke this decree. You broke this law. There's nothing else that I, I don't have the power to do for you, but may your God deliver you. And so Daniel is thrown into this lion's den as punishment for his disobedience to this decree. And the Bible says that Darius was troubled by that. He couldn't even sleep that night. He didn't even eat but what he had to do to Daniel. But the Bible says, if you continue reading, that Darius woke up early that next morning. And he runs to the lion's den. And he runs and he's like, Daniel! Daniel, you still alive, Daniel? Like there was something on the inside of Darius. Like Darius had an idea that there was something unique about Daniel. Darius had this idea that, man, there's something unique about Daniel's God. He says, Daniel, are you still alive? Did your God deliver you? Verse 22, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Number three, write this down. When you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. When you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. Please understand, God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. Like, my prayer would have been, God, look, I really don't want to be put in this den. Like, I've seen those lions ravage people. I know what they're capable of. And, man, God, I really don't want to be in this den. God, if there's any way you can deliver me, I, I don't know what Daniel prayed. I don't know exactly like what his exact request. Maybe he, maybe he did request, God, look, I know you can keep me out of the den. I know you can keep me safe. I don't know what he prayed. But the key thing that we got to remember is that God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. God allowed Daniel to go in the lion's den. You see, a lot of times we're praying for God to keep us out of the lion's den. A lot of times we prefer God keep us out of the lion's den. But sometimes God will just allow you to walk through the lion's den just so he can prove himself strong to the rest of the world. Just so that he can show himself strong in your life. Just so that he can show the rest of the world that I've got you. And I don't know about you, but there are times in the season that we're in right now that I feel like we're walking in the lion's den. This pandemic, in many ways, is like the lion's den. And oh, I prayed, I prayed. When I first got word of this coronavirus, Churches prayed, we prayed, oh God, just make this thing disappear. Keep this off American soil. Keep. We prayed and we prayed and prayed. We didn't know what else to pray, but we prayed. But guess what? COVID came anyway. The virus is here. The pandemic is here. Things shut down, wearing masks, doing all these different things. And, and I'm like, okay, God. 
You didn't miraculously make this thing disappear. So clearly now there's something else that you're doing. And I don't know what it is, but you need, I wish you could just show me what it is that you're trying to tell me. I wish you could just show me what it is that you're doing. Could it be that God is allowing us to walk in this lion's den? This lion's den of a pandemic. This lion's den of civil unrest. This lion's den of all this uncertainty that is going on in the world just so that he can show the rest of the world how strong he is through our lives. The world is watching you. The world is watching how you respond in all the unrest. The world is watching how you respond in the middle of a pandemic. The world is watching you walk through the den. So God may not keep you out of the lion's den, but God can surely shut the mouths of the lion. But it all starts with prayer. It all starts with prayer. Daniel understood that he was not going to allow the circumstances of the world, the circumstances of, the, of society, to dictate his faithfulness to his God. I'm not going to get all bent out of shape because of the situation I'm currently in. No, I'm going to continue walking in faithfulness with my God because I know he's faithful. I know he's faithful. And I don't know what your lion's den may look like. You may say, yeah, Chris, you said the pandemic, you said all that kind of stuff. Man, I'm walking through my own personal lion's den. Chris, you don't understand the news that I got. You don't understand the call that I got from the doctor. You don't understand what's going on at my job. You don't understand the stress that I'm going through. You don't understand what my family is going through right now. You don't know what the the strain of my marriage is looking like right now. You don't get all that, but I feel it's my lion's den. But might I add to you this morning, though you may be walking in the lion's den, God still has the strength and the power to keep the lions from devouring you. The stress that you're going through, the strain that you're going through, the, 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 the doctor's report that you received, all those different things. I don't make light of any of them. But God clearly has the strength to keep the lion from devouring you. But my question to you is, will you stay strong? And you can only stay strong when you know the the source of your strength. And you can only stay connected to the source of your strength in prayer. There is power in prayer. The Bible says that after King Darius ordered men to get Daniel out of the lion's den, that Darius became fully aware of the lies and deceit that the other administrators told. And he ordered all of them, plus their wives and their kids, to be thrown into the lion's den. And they were all devoured before they even hit the ground. God has got your back. 
God has got you covered. I know at times it doesn't feel like it. I know at times it doesn't seem like he's near. I know at times because of the situation, it looks very bleak. It looks very dark. But might I present to you this morning, don't stop praying. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop your faithfulness to God. Because he loves you. He is for you. And he wants to strengthen you. He wants to build you up. But you got to stay connected to the source. And in closing, let me just, just say this. And Dennis, you can come on up. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I don't know if you're a person of prayer or not. Some of you may have just very regimented prayer times and prayer lives. And some of you pray in the morning when you get up. You pray before you go to bed at night. You pray all these different, everybody has these different times that they pray. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I don't really pray at all. Maybe when I need something or when situations are getting dark in my life and seasons are getting dark, that's when I, I cry out to God because... I don't know what else to do. Let me encourage you this morning. That prayer would become second nature to you. That prayer would be just as important to you as breathing is. I promise you, you can find the time to pray. Sometimes prayer is getting alone by yourself and you're in the house and maybe it's locking yourself up in your room. Maybe it's going literally into a closet to pray. Maybe it's, maybe it's going in the bathroom to pray. I don't know. Wherever you can find it, find it. Maybe that's what that looks like for you. Maybe prayer is while you're driving in the car on your way to and from school or to work. Maybe prayer is when you're just walking from one place to another and that time of walking, you're just talking with God. But, but see prayer as a valuable asset to your life. See prayer as a connecting source of strength and power for you because it's through prayer, it's the only way you're going to know how to stand strong. If you're not a person of prayer, if you're not a man of prayer, if you're not a woman of prayer, I encourage you to become one. Talk to God. He's listening. Husbands, fathers, pray over your family. Wives, mothers, pray over your family. Pray for them. I don't care how awkward it feels for you. Pray for them. Pray out loud. Let them hear you. Because I promise you, if you're living with uncertainty right now as an adult of all the stuff and the propaganda and the fear and everything that is going on in the media and social media and everywhere else. Your children are catching it just like you are. 
But when prayer becomes a value in your home, you're communicating to your family and to your children that you know where the, the source of your strength is. Because there are times when, when dad is weak. There are times when, when, when dad just doesn't have the answers. I don't have the answers I can always point to the one who does I can always point to the one who does will you have the strength to stand strong will you like Daniel remain faithful when opposition comes Will you remain faithful enough and strong enough to stand? Let's stand to our feet this morning.